OTB Sports Rugby. Some of the hype around Jack Crowley has been premature. He's played pretty well, but having him as the second coming of Christ seems to be a little bit aggressive. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, you're welcome along. Very happy to say Fiona Hayes, Grand Slam winner, is on the line. Good evening, you're very welcome. Hello, Joe, how are you? Great, and Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent with us as well. Hello. Hey, Joe, hey, Fiona. I'm suddenly feeling self-conscious hey, about this chair. I feel like I'm on mastermind or something. You've stepped up a level. Now that I it's see 2023 and Joe's now a talk show <laughs> presenter. He's still done. It's good. I like it. It uh, fits you. They promised me it wouldn't look ridiculous and they lied. So uh, there we go. Much to discuss. We'll start with URC if we can. We're well into the new year now. Three more weeks to go and then we're at Six Nations uh, opening week. URC is taking along some familiar themes. And not least for Ulster, they couldn't hang on for the final few minutes in Benetton against 14 men at the end and they lost 31-29. That is now five defeats in six. Uh, Leinster, much changed Leinster team. They won away. They came from behind against the Ospreys, 24-19. Big win for Connacht against uh, weakened Sharks team in Galway, 24-12. And then Munster, 33, Lions, 3. Their mission to prove Rory O'Connor wrong is very much alive. The quest continues. Absolutely. That's what I think my picture's up in their dressing room, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I wouldn't they, be shocked if you'd been mentioned. <laughs> I think there's others. There's more high-profile critics who I think they will, they'll have more, uh, they'll, they'll be more annoyed with. What was it Peter O'Mahony said? Hysteria? Back after they beat the Bulls yeah. and um, they've come good. I mean, they still have a fairly tough run-in, so I, I don't think they'll be able to count. Like, what's made Munster's season so interesting is that they lost those couple of games at the start because every week matters. And even a fairly run-of-the-mill game against the Lions... Um, this is something that Gavin Casey was down there he, like the, the atmosphere seemed to be really good down there there seems to be a, a big buzz around Munster games because they matter every week that doesn't it's not just about what position you're in it's actually a bit at stake every week for them so it's great and they've responded really well and they're, they're problem solving they're getting better to watch but they're also like they got absolutely destroyed all four Irish teams struggled in the scrum at the weekend Munster were absolutely destroyed by a fairly um, old fashioned looking Lions tight five but an effective one and they found a way around it and that's that's good to see in really difficult conditions when playing the game they want to play probably wasn't that easy against it you know it's it's the weakest of the South African teams but they've still caused problems for teams this season the Lions so they're um, they're playing very well they're going to get to the European last 16 it looks like you know get over to Northampton at the weekend they're pretty much assured of their place then they've got to lose to kind of see see how they go in terms of where they finish and things are looking a lot better than they were a couple of months ago and you know they're being linked with Malcolm Marks they're kind of making moves towards what they're going to look like next season and that sticky patch is looking like it's a bit more in the dis- in the past than it was you know that at the time it looked like it could linger on in terms of not qualifying for next year and feeding into next season but they can be more confident now albeit they can't go into any week thinking you know we're safe here We've, they've got to keep performing but it's brought out the best in them in some ways yeah, I can conf- I can confirm that Rory I was in uh, Mosgrave Park coaching myself on Saturday and I did see your picture on the dartboard in the dressing room <laughs> that was just the women's team dressing room <laughs> God I would love if you were on their dressing room somewhere I mentioned <laughs> yeah no I don't think that's going to happen I, I hope like, you know, I'd, I'd hope they have better things to be doing in their dressing room than, than looking at my mug 
33 points to three winners for people who didn't see the game. That is, by the way, 20 out of 25 points available in the RC taken. Of the, That is the run that they're on. Mm-hmm. There were 8,000 at Musgrave Park. This was sold out. Conditions were tough. Uh, the Munster team had Mike Haley full back. Uh, Luke Holmes, uh, pace to burn as well for the bonus point try was in the wing. Fekatoa, Rory Scannell, centre. Shane Daly on the, on the other wing. Ben Healy and Patterson at 10 and 9. It was Witcherly, Barron, Salanoa front row. Jean Klein, Gavin Coombe second row. Jack O'Donoghue, Hodnett, who was player of the match, and Condellan back row. So that was the, you know, that's a kind of good, solid now winning Munster URC team, Fiona. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, it was a great game to watch, obviously, from the comfort of my sitting room because I knew I was going back there again on Saturday. But um, yeah, uh, Rory touching it there. Scrum time, you know, I felt for Witcherly. I think it was 32 minutes Um, he came off and Kilcoin came on, which kind of settled things down a little bit at scrum time. But I thought, um, you know, it was obviously they, they done their analysis on the team. I thought... Um, Munster found a lot of change on that internal defense, you know, because they had their their big, their massive guys that were doing well at scrum time were absolutely wrecked then when they came to around the pitch and they were standing in a pillar. And you could see that Munster got change a lot on that inside, kind of just there around that rock area because they weren't coming up in defense. So I thought they'd definitely done their homework on this team. And the thing that stood out to me, obviously it's the few games behind them, is just the smiles on the players' faces. I thought they looked like they really enjoyed there the way the game was going they even from the start a friend of mine was working down there and said they was just great atmosphere the players looked relaxed and I think we saw that in some of the the tries that they score for such bad weather the handling was excellent at times Mm. Northampton at home on Saturday yeah and while that was a very competitive away game I think in Thalman Park this is a game that they will be very confident that they can get the points they need Um, Northampton like our, we've talked about them in here before about their European we've seen them bad bad enough on your a lot of European games over the years they've got a fairly good reputation over the Premiership particularly as an attacking team but they're the kind of English team that, that usually doesn't come travel well to Thomond so like Munster they're in a good spot I mean you think that they these two games they didn't have their, their three their, their, their leading internationals um, they've had a bit of an injury rut they're, they're going to lose John Ryan I know he hasn't played the last couple of weeks but he was very influential since he came back he'll go at the end of the month so he's only got three more games left in red but the games like Saturday will stand to them as well so they're in um, they're in good nick they've got two games left in Europe they you know, they got something out of those first two so they're in pretty good position they're like you know Ulster are actually in a better position than them in the URC but Ulster, you, would, you wouldn't want to be if you were you had the choice to sign up for one of them right now for the rest of the season you go to Munster yeah. Munster look like they're having a lot more fun than Ulster do right now and and when we were criticising Munster at the time it was Ulster were flying high mm. Ulster were making Munster look bad at the time mm. so things have switched quite a lot in that, in that relationship and um, they're uh, no, they seem to be in a very good place and they seem to be yeah, as, as Fiona said enjoying themselves and growing in confidence every week There was a very uh, interesting piece seen as we're on Munster yesterday in the Sunday Independent Paul Kimmage had interviewed Graham Rowntree late last year mm. and there had been, I don't know, it's a small world, people seem to talk. I think there'd been a talk that... Brendan Fanning had, had mentioned that it. that where I knew it from? Yeah, okay. yeah he had mentioned it. He, he flagged it because he'd been talking to, to Kimmage and it was before... Strange, strange when Brendan flagged it that there'd been a row just before Paul published the interview. So I took to the original interview expecting the row to be the front and centre of the interview, but Paul almost deliberately, I haven't spoken to Paul about this, but um, seems to deliberately uh, swerved away from it and then revisited it a couple of months later. So it was, yeah, it was interesting. So I would have fully anticipated that route might have been about doping in rugby. Mm. Very contentious issue, difficult issue. You're, um, you know, at risk of uh, saying things which might, which might um, 
get players into trouble or or you it's almost lose lose you deny mm. there's any issue and you look like you're somehow covering part of some great amerta and so I, I could see how that might have been combustible yeah. that's obviously an issue Paul Kim just written extensively about it's kind of a strange exchange here Rantry just seems to be incredibly defensive so they're chatting away I think the gist of the piece yesterday is that for two hours the conversation was good but in the midst of it there was a 10 minute row and the question which prompted the row was what about the suggestion that the game was healthier in the amateur era and Rentry says healthier yeah healthier in what regard you're an intelligent man I shouldn't have to spell it out for you uh, Graham laughed well clearly I'm not healthier with regard to concussion the physicality the damage being done and he asked him about his own career and Rentry says he played from 19 to 35 and Paul asked well how many guys will manage to be able to play that long today Rentry not as many the demands of the game now greater etc and so on they go and then they're back to the healthier point and Rentry says the game's a better product uh, teams have naturally progressed you bring in nutrition sports science conditioning weights conditioning etc you hold your body together and Paul says but the price being paid for all that is what we're seeing now the concussions the dementia the lawsuits you can't deny that the price of getting bigger and hitting harder is that we're seeing a lot of um, those issues now. And then Rentry says, I'm not getting into that. Why not? Because I don't want to. OK, we'll park it. And he was ready to park it, writes Paul Kimmage. But then Rentry says, I'm not going to create a headline for you. Paul, I'm not naive. You can stop this now if you want. I'll walk out. I'm not afraid. I'm not getting effed over. And Paul said, I don't do headlines, Rentry. I don't care. I'll walk out now. I'd rather you didn't walk out. Me too, but I'm not getting pulled into something that concussion, dementia. I'm not getting pulled into that. Make it about my life and times, as you said, my story, but don't F me over to try and create some juicy story about concussion. I don't do juicy stories. You clearly do. I clearly do not. You made your career from doing it. Paul writes, now I'm really pissed. <laughs> and the argument uh, continues and uh, you know, you're accusing me of writing juicy stories. No, I'm saying you're going to make one out of me. I don't do that. I'm trying to explain. That's uh, not what I do. And the question was whether the game is healthier. Why the F should I stay here now? You had your little rant at me there because I'm not going to roll over for you. I don't want you to roll over, Graeme. You got me here to talk about concussion. Oh, for F's sake, I said. It's a small aspect of the interview. Forget about it. We'll move on. And we did. So that's the um, exchange. That struck me as unbelievably defensive over almost a, a routine question. Yeah, I remember about whatever the Steve Thompson... Michael Lipman and Alex Popham went public with their early onset dementia I logged into it because Munster are actually doing their first in-person press conference since COVID tomorrow but they've done everything online so I went online and dialed into the Graeme Roundtree um, press conference and he was a teammate of Steve Thompson they would have won a lot together for England um, they would have played an awful lot of times together would have played against each other an awful lot he would have played with Lipman I think as well he would have played against Popham this is his era that's being largely affected by it and I asked him as I asked Andy Farrell subsequently how does it make you feel to see your f I think I've asked Leo Cullen as well how does it make you feel you know it's a fairly yeah. obvious question he gave a quite short but emotional answer and he, he talked about how sad it was but it was clear he didn't I think I I can't remember I asked him a follow up question he didn't want to really deal with it he didn't he was like I've said what I've said that's that's my that's where I am on it I don't want to talk about it I suppose if, if he starts talking about it you cannot ask you know how is your brain I mean that's I suppose quite a personal thing you know you know how will you be joining the lawsuit these are all follow-on questions that maybe he's defensive about so as the former player I guess trying to put myself in his shoes that's partly where he's come from I think someone in Munster said watch your man because Paul uh, Paul Kimmage and Munster have a fairly fraught relationship going back to the 
Gerbrandt Grobler signing and and all the Ferrari that that unfolded over the course of that that year. Um, Paul has you know Paul Kimmich hasn't done an awful lot of rugby. Interview. I think he says he hasn't done one rugby interview in about seven years since. I think he's turned his back on rugby a little bit, and rugby's probably closed the doors to him a little bit as well. So the prior relationship that him and Rentree had going back to the Hampson book secured the interview. Yeah. But I wonder, did someone in Munster say, what are you talking to your man for? Because he's out. He, he hates Munster, he's out to get us, which I think there are people within Munster, I think some people in the media, certainly including Paul and maybe myself, would would feel, even though I think that's misplaced. So I think there was a bit of coming to it from that perspective. Um, but I think everyone within rugby needs to have an answer for this, needs to think about it. And when they're asked about it, it needs to come up with a, a coherent answer to it because as the coach of Munster you have a certain status in the game as a former England international a form, you know, a former Lion, Lions coach you have a status within the game and as a custodian of the game of the sport the sport which is being you know rightly questioned as to whether it's too dangerous whether it's taking too much of a toll on your former teammates and your maybe your current players yeah. you need to have be ready to answer that question and I think it doesn't do him any service to push back like that and if he came to Paul with a fairly stock answer and said look Paul there's personal side to this and there's professional side I this is this is where I feel it is on it as for my former teammates I don't really want to go down that road I think Paul would have moved on you know he might have pushed him a little bit but I think look I can't speak for Paul he's not here he's well able to talk for himself but the fact that he he almost escalated things not to you know they didn't come to blows or anything and they finished the interview um, that's strange to me and I think everyone within rugby has an obligation to have thought about concussion and the direction of travel that the sport is under and I think as a head coach of Munster he has to be thinking that because it's affecting his players and also as a former player Yeah Fiona it doesn't strike me as a shutters down topic and nor should it be No it definitely shouldn't be shutters down topic but you know I think Rory spot on there's probably a bit of a, a soured relationship there with Munster and I suppose we don't know what he was told going into the interview what it seems like it was just going to be about his own life so he probably wasn't in anywhere prepared for that and we had Graham in giving the girls the jerseys last weekend before the game and given a chat and he's just so passionate and you know he talks he talks to everyone like you know he's just in friendly conversation he's a really likeable guy so I would imagine to, to get his back up it probably there could have been a little bit more to that as well around that area and he probably wasn't comfortable in talking about it in what he thought the topic of the interview was going to be but certainly there does need to be a, a discussion on it and I suppose with him going into games and in that interview outside of that he needs to be able to give his opinion but when it comes to game week and stuff like that I know that he he, he obviously wants to talk about what's in front of him and and um, what team and what they can do and stuff like that I suppose this might be getting too inside baseball and nobody cares about the um, media experience but I would say talking to a range of journalists I would say even talking to several Munster players who are now retired and working in the media and I would say based frankly on my own observations and a couple of experiences here and there uh, Munster as a franchise are unnecessarily defensive and spiky with the media they have been for some time and I don't think it serves them and I think maybe their own fans like it because there's a sense of yeah stick it to the media or the establishment in some and, way and, and that is their circle b- the wagons but it, it's very unbecoming like, and, and, and I don't think it serves see, them see I think that I think that feeds into it like they'll be like oh, they're talking about us again like, I, and in fairness that their their fans are their primary audience so they have they have a couple of of, of markets they're trying to fan they're trying to serve but their main market is their fans and if this is the way like, I, I, I agree with to a large part I think 
there's a defensiveness, there's a disdain for the media. Sometimes they're very open. Like it's it's probably easier to get a one to one interview as a newspaper journalist with Munster than it is with with most other provinces. So that's that's something I certainly wouldn't complain about. There's there's an openness there. Okay, um, well, sorry. That, to be fair, then that that undercuts my point to a well, fair extent. That's and yet fair. their press conferences are quite you know they've kept us quite remote. They've they do quite short press conferences. They can be quite difficult to get an answer out of when it comes to certain issues. Look, the, again, this is stuff that people probably you know. I'm reticent to go down too far up yeah. because people might not care but I think there is a defensiveness there and I think a lot of it is born out of that Gerbrand Grobler case there's the time that they sent the squad assessments to all the players by mistake and it ended up in the press under Anthony Foley um, there was kind of a 10 year kind of there was a series of issues over, yeah. over the years I think they could definitely improve that side of things I think they could be more open I think all provinces could be more open even the fact that they've set up their own TV channel online and are charging people for it you know, and they give more access to that than they would to the traditional media is part of a, a more you know it's a bigger discussion about where yes. me- media is going so there, I think there's definitely a defensiveness I think they, there's a sense there sometimes that we're all out to get them and I think that there was a real sense that during the start of the season there was a pile on because their results weren't good but we hold them to very high standards because we all um, we expect an awful lot of them because yeah. they're they're such like all we have to, all you have to do is look at your texts, look at the amount of engagement that we get online when Munster are playing. Munster, look at the amount of people who will be at Tomlin Park on Saturday. They're a huge brand. They're one of the biggest brands in Irish sport, and as such, they get probably more attention than anyone else. So when they do something, it has an impact, and that is a really good thing if you can if you, if you if you're mature enough to handle that. Yeah. But sometimes. Um, I just think, yeah, there's a bit of an old-fashioned GA. they're all out to get us kind of thing down there. And, I, yeah, it doesn't serve them great sometimes, but then sometimes circling the wagons work. So, sure. um, yeah, I'm, remi- I'm 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 wary of moaning too much about it, but I do think, yeah, I, I, I would think they could benefit from being a bit more open from time to time. And certainly, you know, I think anyone who knows what they're doing and knows that Paul Kimmage is going to basically present the entire interview. Like He'll be given the space to present the entire interview. This is not going to be the most interesting thing written as a news story. It will be the whole discussion. So if you know your players, you know that Graham Rountree, look, he's going to ask you loads of different things, but look, he'll treat them all as an entirety and he'll put the entire exchange in there. So, if, I mean, Rountree was under pressure at the time that interview was published. If Kimmage had put in the entire thing of the, the exchange at the time when he was under pressure... Well, like that's it. that paints a picture of a man under massive pressure and a man who's struggling with that pressure, whereas Kimmage actually was very fair to him and didn't. I mean, has done it now and he's in a position of strength. I think he's waited until the wins are there. So there's maybe a few lessons to be taken from that as well. Okay. Uh, Connacht 24, Sharks 12, Fiona. This is one of those, and it must be said, increasingly rare. It's not as common as it used to be, but this is one of those URC games where there's an asterisk required. This was an understrength Shark side, not the Connacht will... Uh, complain and so you know go enjoy the game watch the game enjoy your life sport but as for drawing conclusions on a Monday it's harder to position it yeah that's it I mean they had another changed up squad again Connacht they were able to try um, a couple of guys in the centre that I thought worked really well We Kyle Ford was outstanding but you can't really tell when you're on the outside you'd look at the if you didn't know the Sharks team that was over you'd look at the scoreline and think it was a massive win for Connacht but they're going to take it as that I mean look they were under pressure they had a few losses and it, it's it's after getting them some well earned points that they needed in this URC table so I think they will be going into the brief game next week where 
where you know at home again where they will have built up a bit of confidence I thought there were a few players that were outstanding you know and put in some massive performances I thought Buckley had a great game again I think you know we, we spoke about the front row struggling across the provinces but I thought actually the Connick scrum probably looked the most solid and probably were, were well able to hold that Sharks team at squad they did come under pressure but as we said it's a weak in front row um, in brackets that they sent over I suppose their second team but look they 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 put themselves about the place as well I mean Connacht had 171 tackles the Sharks had only 92 so it was a physical game and Connacht only missed 16 tackles on that as well but I just I really thought that it was the boost that they probably needed going into this uh, game at the weekend mm. For Leinster away to Ospreys 24-19 uh, the winning scoreline Leinster not all that accustomed to being in trouble I guess the Ulster match at the RDS uh, jumps to mind a couple of weeks back but two tries in four minutes in the second half brought them back from big trouble they were 10 points down early in the first quarter Rory on the error mark they were still down by six but there was no real sense of panic off the performance either Hugo Keenan and Jimmy O'Brien scored those two tries and it's a familiar ending yeah I think the the way they've managed their team over the last three weeks has just been an advertisement for having someone in the Leo Cullen role who can basically strategize long term and pick teams week to week to week. So he's basically had these these internationals in this area one week, and then he's had a different set, and then he picks a few of them off the bench this week, and you know it's paid off for him. And look, he has the strongest squad in the competition, and the Sharks. He doesn't have to deal with the forty hours of travel that the the likes of the Sharks have to. He is he's a much simpler you know getting the Swans. He's a much more simpler equation. Um, but it's a masterclass in, in how you manage the, this the, the particular set of circumstances that, that present themselves to them. And I, it's not something I think, it, it looks easy because they're operating at such a high level, but I do think it's worthy of, of some comment. You know, this was one that could easily, like, you know, Osprey's picked a very, very strong team that half the Welsh team playing and, and a couple of, you know, Lions starting and they were on top with the scrum and they were on top in various areas. And Leinster, yeah, they won, they're, they're pretty much home and hosed in their position at the top of the table. That's one. You have Europe next week. You haven't lost a game all season. Twenty minutes to go. You could say, "Look, let's try and get a bonus point out of this." You know, let's just you know sack this one off. But yeah. they they just went up. They went up. They went up a little bit like the Ulster game in the in the RDS a couple of weeks ago. They just kept putting putting just going up a gear, up a gear, up a gear. And there was one moment, I think four or five minutes to go. There was a kick, kind of you know a fairly routine kick put through with four Leinster backs hair through and put unbelievable pressure on the Ospreys player and it, made, it was a big play let, I think it led to one of the tries but it just spoke to the attitude of those players all internationals all you think about Jordan Armour playing in that game he wants that Ireland jersey Jimmy O'Brien's put back in after Armour steps about 10 players in the previous week he wants that jersey Hugo Keenan's looking at it going well I can't you know, I've barely played this season I can't drop my standards and it just works so well um, it's it's really really impressive and it was more it was one of the more entertaining Leicester games of the season because in difficult conditions away from home they were forced to come from behind and win it um, they've won a lot of games in a lot of different ways this year and, they've, yeah. and you know it's, it's a very it's a very impressive winning run because of that and they haven't always had their best team out there but at the end of the day they're able to go with a kind of a mix and match team and win away in, in Swansea it's very very impressive and it just stands them in incredible stead and and the news coming out that, that night was that, that uh, Sexton's going to be okay for the, the Six Nations which um Means we got a good bit of chat out of it last week, but it's not going to happen in the end. <laughs> For what feels like the billion Six Nations in a row, Johnny Sexton will just about make uh, the first game and win his fitness battle. He looks, he that, tends looks to that way. Looks that that way. But like Ross Byrne looked really good when he came off the bench. Harry Byrne started, but you know he he, he just needs a run. You couldn't judge him on that mm. one game against the Ospreys. But I thought 
like every time I see Ross Byrne now I'm more more assured by him he just gives you such assurance and his place in the pecking order when the squad comes out maybe next week I think is going to be very interesting isn't, isn't, the, isn't the issue with Ross Byrne for a World Cup squad that if uh, Sexton certainly going obviously Fiona and Joey Carberry is second and if they're bringing three the third name needs to be utility player and Ross Byrne is not therefore yeah, it would be looking like that. And I suppose you you have Crowley in the mix there who's who's played a bit at fullback and has played in the centre now at 12 as well. So he has that added to his thing. But, I, but you know, in, in discussion on that Ross Byrne, you also want someone, you know, if you get an injury, someone reassured on the bench, especially in the kicking game, especially from the tee. And he's just proved that time and time again with Ireland that when he's needed to come on and, and get you three points under a pressured situation, he seems the most relaxed and calm guy to do it. So they will be taking all that into consideration the Leinster team by the way we mentioned most of the names so it was Keenan uh, Larmer on one wing Jimmy O'Brien the other Osborne and Nagatai in the centre Harry Byrne Cormac Foley at 10 and 9 and then it was Healy uh, Sheehan racking up the minutes Alatoa in the front row Maloney was in the second row the likes of Ruddock Scott Penny Jack Conan back row so it was that kind of Leinster team Fiona what would you say of the comeback um, yeah, it was it was really good. You know what's what's a killer for Ospreys when I was watching the game is that they were so defensively good um, around that sixty minute mark when they were up. You know they were up six points, and you just thought Leinster had a few errors and and they were getting dominant tackles. Ospreys were driving them back and back, and there's nothing worse. It was an absolute piece of brilliance from from Hugo Keenan to just come in, you know, from that blind side and get himself in. And he spotted that there was there was a sub hooker just after coming on from Ospreys and found a gap between him and the winger so look they're absolutely clinical and they always find a way and I think with Ospreys with that they were able to get back up the pitch again but Jimmy O'Brien was lethal again I I feel like exactly what Rory was saying earlier there's so much competition so these guys know the likes of Blarmer O'Brien Keenan even you know in 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 the in the back row you have Conan um whoever's there Deegan they're constantly fighting to to try and get on that World Cup squad and Leinster have that kind of um I suppose have that squad together where they're pushing one another because there's such serious competition I, I, I suppose one of the aspects that would have disappointed me and I, I'm sure they will look at is I really thought, you know, there was a lot of talk around Furlong and if he's not there, you know, that Leinster scrum, especially against the big French packs, can come under pressure. And I and I was really watching Al Alatoa this season and I thought he'd really done well and he was getting his height correct and being dominant. And he and this Ospreys pack absolutely killed him. You know, obviously he had a few changes in with him, but it's definitely I've never seen in a couple of those I've never seen a Leinster pack go back at the rate and that's like they did. Obviously just a height issue and maybe the second row is bailed, but it was it's definitely something that Cullen and you know the coaching staff will have to look at that because if they don't have Furlong there, they need to have a tight that can absolutely anchor that scrum. Okay, interesting. So what's his issue when you say height? Yeah, I just, I, I obviously the Ospreys pack were, you know, they're around a long time, a lot of caps between these guys. I felt like it, when you look at scrums, especially that one where they went back, I suppose about three, four, five meters instantly, you have to look at, he absolutely let, you know, the, the loose head, the Ospreys loose head get underneath him. And I, and there was a split in the second rows and they went back, you know, I just felt like they weren't getting as low as I've seen them as a pack together, whether that was, 
an influence from different second rows coming in between them, behind them. Maybe it was, you know, that mixture of, you know, you had Milner coming on as well for the last few minutes who, who got blasted back as well. Um, so but, but, look, But my sense from you is if Furlong was there, regardless of the second row, it would have been a different story. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. It could be he switched off. There was definitely two or three scrums where I rewound it and I look back at his body position and, and he just seemed to get absolutely caught initially on the hit and was caught too high and he was getting blasted back. I think with Furlong, he's he obviously sets himself, he takes a breather, he has his motions to win there. Now, it can happen in any game, you can't say that, but it was just, I hadn't seen a Leinster scrum come under that much pressure in a long time. A tight Furlong. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, Tyke Furlong, uh, akin to Johnny Sexton in the latest Leinster dispatch, uh, likely to be deemed fit mm. for Ireland's opener against Wales. He's only played twice this season. There was the recent ankle injury and now a minor setback in training, I think a calf problem. And he's had his calf problems before, Rory. So yeah. he's one of those players that, I, you know, he he tends to, a bit like Sexton, make it for most of the big games, but well, look, has his a, troubles around them. He's essentially a contractor player. So I think any, any look, Fiona's touched on it, he is so important. He's one of the kind of golden trio or four players who, who Ireland can't afford to lose I mean I find it really interesting that Dan Sheehan's playing so many minutes this season and Andrew Porter's playing a lot of minutes and they're really important as well but Porter, but, but Furlong in particular is is crucial to the way Ireland go and I think in a World Cup year they're being uber uber cautious but there's been, there was a lower back problem it's all again like a lot of these injuries there's always a little bit opaque around around what exactly is going on there's, there's been ankles sorry there's been calf there's been a bit of lower back Um but when it comes to the crunch, he's generally there when it's when the important games are there to be played. And, and Leinster, I think there are a few and Leinster both feel they can get by without him. Even Keane Healy's played a bit of tight head this season. And Al Alatoa, I think, has done very well across this season. And I think that there's been a lot of talk within Leinster about how the first year he learned about Northern Hemisphere scrummaging, this year he's putting it into practice. I wonder, and I just thought of it there when Fiona was talking, and you know the four Irish provinces struggled. We are seeing faster sets of scrums at, at, mm-hmm. uh, this, uh, at this after the changes before Christmas. So World Rugby have said that you've got thirty seconds to set. So that's a massive change to the way scrums scrums are put together. Big change for front rows. Maybe players like Alatoa, maybe others, just had that ninety seconds that they all took as part of their process. So you need to change your process and adapt a little bit. The kickers are going to have to learn mm. to kick a little bit quicker as well. So maybe there's a little bit of, of it feeding into that. He was also up against the Wales, pretty much the Wales front row, yes. which you know <laughs> yeah. was a was a but bigger challenge. And Jason Jenkins was a big signing for them in that tight yes. head lock slot, and he wasn't there on yeah. Saturday. Okay. A bit of mitigation there. I, Fiona, would you put much stock in the shorter time frame to get set? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, really? Especially, yeah, especially. You just as hunger a, down, would you stop? <laughs> especially as a tight end. Now, I was a loose end, but tight ends, geez, they need to have their breeder, and you can you can see them taking their time as they go over to the scrum. So, definitely look when it's a, a faster input. You're, you're used to getting your breeder, getting your, you'd have your process then as you get into the scrum, obviously, to get set and concentrate. But speeding that up to 30 seconds is every props nightmare. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Uh, <laughs> We're going to take a short break. Fiona and Rory staying with us back in one moment. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. You're very welcome back. Fiona Hayes, Roy O'Connor still with us here on Monday Night Rugby. So Ulster, just to round off the provinces from the URC, beaten away to Benetton. That is now five in six defeats and they're finding new ways to lose, as we've uh, said routinely of late. 
They scored, in fairness to them, they did come back from 28-15 down in the second half in Treviso. And by dint of a penalty try, they were ahead going into the final two, three minutes of normal time. Benedon then went down to 14 men. You would think Ulster will hang on. They conceded a penalty, which was duly kicked. And it's another defeat, Fiona. So I don't really know what we can say about Ulster that we haven't said over the last couple of weeks. I don't know what's gone wrong here still. I know. Um, and that's the thing. You know, we were speaking so highly of them at the start of the season and it just seems like they're after getting into a rush. Now, that's no disrespect to this Benetton team. I mean, they scored some absolutely amazing tries. There was a, a beauty of a, a crossfield kick um, sent through as well and we and that was scored in the corner. So they, they, did, they have this kind of way of varying up their attack and they're liable to do anything. Um, looking at Ulster, um, I suppose one of the things, and, I, and I've said it in in the past that I, I'm finding different about them this season is um, they're they're probably not utilizing their back three enough. And uh, another thing is their defense system is being broken down far too easy. Um, a lot of the time you don't mind teams. Well, obviously you mind, but scoring out wide, you look at, okay, we need to shift in defense quicker. But there was there was one thing that happened. I think it was for the, the Benetton second try, um, Joe, and it was like their internal defense was absolutely blasted. I think it was off a mall. Um, Fiona, sorry to interrupt. That's, that is now a few weeks where you've mentioned their internal defense. And so it's not being fixed, clearly. No, it definitely not. Now, if you look at it, it's just communication, I think, between Hume and Burns. There could have been a slip by Burns, but it was literally, there was just two dummy runners right underneath the post and coming up off that, it would be similar to defending a scrum when it comes out off that mall because you're essentially back man on man and they just absolutely missed the tackle and Benetton went in and scored under the post. So look, that is an area where they, they don't seem to have cohesion. They're not coming up together. They're not communicating together. It seems to be... One is shooting up and they're leaving kind of um, they're leaving uh, space in the middle, which you cannot do on, in, on that inside. So they definitely haven't fixed that. I don't know if that's personnel or if it's an eagerness to get off the line, but I feel like it's an area they definitely have to look at, especially going in against La Rochelle next week away. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it didn't get any easier. No, and they've a bit of a crisis at tight head prop because uh, Tubag Allen went went the full eighty, and they had two two loose heads on the bench, and Marty Moore is out, mm-hmm. Tom O'Toole is out as well. Um, Milosanovic, their giant South African prop, was supposed to play for the A's in Ealing, which I found strange, and then he got pulled at the last minute as well. So, um, you don't want to be going to France with no tight heads. And uh, Tubag Allen, they signed him; for, he's all black. They signed him from. Um, from Wasps last season but he's barely featured for him all season so they clearly don't have a huge amount of trust in what he can deliver anyway so that's that's not going to help um, their confidence is shot they looked that could have been one where they, you know, they came from behind having not played particularly well and, and, and boosted their confidence and given themselves that lift that they needed and, and then they, they shot themselves in the foot at the end even their look is out I, I thought it the last play when they were pushing for a try at the end I, I thought it was a deliberate knock on by a Benetton player in the corner just as Balakoon flings it back inside towards Stuart Moore and it was given as a uh, a knock on against um, Ulster and again I, I, we may touch on it later again speeding up the game the refs are taking less time to make decisions and I think it's going to lead to more mistakes like that and that was one that went he said it went backwards I didn't think so but it was one that very much it could could go either way and it went against Ulster and you know you're talking if not penalty try certainly yellow card and they've got one of the best Lineup malls in in the country or in the in the tournament. So if they got that penalty, they could have gone on and won the game. But you're talking ifs and buts away to Benetton, who are good this year. You know they they are. I think they're sixth in the table and they're heading towards a playoff spot. So we shouldn't dismiss them. And Munster still have to go there. But Ulster's trajectory 
URC have a stats um, company that are doing stuff for them and they said on Friday that Ulster are 98% assured of the top 8 um, so the playoffs and probably European qualification along with that I don't know how they've updated it this week but they're in a, such a downward spiral at the moment and other teams are finding form and they're not that far away like they've only got 8 point cushion with a game in hand on some of the other teams um, but that game in hand is in Durban against the Sharks during the Six Nations the only thing is they probably won't have that many players in the Ireland squad got the way they're going because you know if you're, if you're looking at head to heads there's not a lot of them in form so it's really damaging in this year of all years to lose form like this um, very worrying and I think it's worrying for McFarland who's been you know it's bad timing for him he's been linked with the Leicester job uh, it's bad time to just completely lose form all round yeah uh, you mentioned there so we might as well go there the pressure right throughout the game be it setting for scrums or refereeing decisions to speed things up mm. and so that is being talked about as playing very much uh, a part in the own Farrell situation so uh, Saracens he kicked the winning drop goal incidentally at the end against Gloucester on Friday made a tackle on Jack Clement in the 75th minute it was what I would say a quintessential own Farrell tackle we've seen that tackle before mm. and there was contact with the head and he has now been cited is the update and there's talk of a mid-range six-week uh, ban so certainly Six Nations uh, opener in jeopardy uh, the, the point though is being made that the pressure on referees and TMOs to speed up decision making is perhaps Roy the reason that this wasn't dealt with in real time yeah well they, they tried to deal with it the referee Carl Dixon asked the TMO whose name I've, I've forgotten um was it within the, the the remit of the TMO? Like, was it within the the last couple of phases? And she got it wrong. Um, mm. She said it wasn't, and so they said, "Okay, we can't deal with it." The, the deciding commissioner could deal with it. I think how, it was how six did they judge that remit? Like, what length there of time is, is it? Sorry, they, Fiona. There is no. I'm just coming in on that. I, I find that crazy because for foul play, there is not no, in no, general. Yeah. There's no remit. So, okay. like, I think it was an error in their behalf. Obviously, in scoring a try, you have whatever many five phases or whatever. But with foul play, you go directly back to foul play. Yeah. Regardless, no, okay. Yeah, and and I I think in the pre-Christmas before World Rugby announced this plan to speed up the game, which included quicker TMO decisions, they would have taken a breath. They would have said, "Let's get get it up on the big screen and, and talk about it." They wouldn't have thought about whether it was in the remit or not within the remit because we've seen refs make up their own remits at times, and that's been frustrating. <laughs> and they would have watched it fifteen hundred times, and we all would have had to take you know go, go to the, the bathroom or make a cup of tea or whatever, and they would have come to a very very slow decision, and Owen Farrell would have been either yellow or red carded, and they've decided and we're all annoyed by the fact that games are taking more than two hours and you know as a broadcaster I'm sure you know you don't get much post-match analysis anymore because games are taking too long so World well, that's the said, key issue in all of this well I think the, the length of time you're sitting in the stadium is crazy like sure. the length of time games are taking is crazy but if you don't take the time to, to, to litigate these things over a long period of time sometimes and watch the replays you're not going to get the decisions and it's a bit like they never went back and looked at Johnny Sexton's tackle on Jared Butler which I think was a yellow card um, last week I don't know if it was the same the same pressure on them but there's going to be I think things missed because referees are making more decisions in the moment which we is that want, a price we're we willing we to want. pay is that a price we're willing to pay Fiona that we're going to have the odd <laughs> moment like Farrell missed and then you know if you're I don't think we're overly upset on Gloucester's behalf but imagine a different scenario in a big game we might be very upset if player who yeah. should have been carded then kicks the winning drop goal but is is it a price we're willing to pay to speed up this game that refs might miss a touch more Fiona or no 
I, I think so. I, like it shouldn't be, but I, I, I was. I'll talk about. I was watching Sale at the weekend as well, and Wayne Barnes was refing it, and I, too laggy, had a, a shot on a player in the last couple of minutes, and you know, absolutely blasted him in the head. Yeah, he was falling, and too laggy was falling. Whereas Barnes said, "Look, it's just a rugby incident. Move on." And I was delighted. There was only a few minutes left. The game was over. But when I went back and looked at the replays, you know, it really probably, definitely would have been a card, and Harlequins were very aggrieved by that. And you yeah. could you could understand why. So look, it's it's when it comes to the big games, it's it's going to be a massive issue. But they want to speed up the game. So maybe it's having someone external again looking at it in, in quick, quick time. The minute it happens, having a couple of people on board outside the game, and then when it is a serious incident, you bring it back. But if it's a serious incident, we're talking about concussion, we're talking about head injuries. We've got to look player welfare. We've got to look at that as well as much as you want to speed up the games for the fans. I'm delighted when it goes quick and we move on. But, you know, it's it, it, down the line. These things are really going to come into play. I wouldn't be surprised human nature being what it is that if for the bigger games, the Six Nations games, the World Cup games, it slows right down again. Yes, I think they have to come up. If they're going to go this way, they have to come up with what rugby, just basically copy what rugby league do, which is put players on report. So yes. if you punch someone or you you cynically stop a try, that gets looked at. But if it's a kind of a high shot one, it's not dealt with in game. You're basically mm. the 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 TMO puts you on report, and you're basically cited for it afterwards. So it's a kind of a separate branch of fell play. I'm not entirely comfortable with that, mm. but it leads to a much slicker uh, proposition in terms of the match going on now, and. The thing is that Gloucester, and again, we're not here, you know, I'm sure Gloucester Radio, they're, they're raging about all, all of these things, but Owen Farrell did, you know, step up and, you know, he's a very important player. He was allowed to stay on the pitch. He should have been off the pitch, whether yellow or red, and he stepped up and kicked the winning goal. Um, if that happened against an Irish team, you know, the text lines would be, be, you know, everyone would be up in arms. You know, that's where him being banned for six weeks and missing some of the Six Nations is no use to Gloucester or George sure. Givington who are chasing point points in the Premiership so there is that to be taken into account but we can't have everything and that's no. the we're trying you're trying to improve the sport but you're also trying to improve the safety and that's a really difficult balance that we're finding on all fronts uh, There is still a chance he may make it back for the bulk of the Six Nations in terms of mitigation <laughs> there was a dangerous tackle on Charlie Atkinson in September 2020 and he served a five week suspension for that but if there's uh, generally an allowance for mit- for for good behaviour or, or, or whatever goes into mitigation, he could go from six weeks, which is where the mid-range ban would start from, down to four, and then apparently you can get another week off if you attend tackle school, yeah. which does sound made up, but that is true. <laughs> so that could get him to three weeks, and then it just depends on. Uh, is there mitigation the, for being the England's best really. player? Yeah, or a few committee rooms. <laughs> I, I would think being England's best player doesn't, doesn't hurt one. your mitigation. Yeah, yeah. like they, they had a dodgy one a couple of weeks ago as well, didn't they? Wasn't that the sorry the Marler one? You know where where they looked at Marler under their own yeah. rules rather than World Rugby's rules, okay. and they gave him a very uh, meager ban for yeah. what he said about Jake Heenan. So there is still a bit of that old fashioned stuff going. on Look, Ruby's disciplinary processes are a nonsense yeah. in many ways. I wouldn't be surprised if and look, I want to see Owen Farrell playing the Six Nations. I don't want him to be banned I for it. Totally. I, I think he should have been punished on the player. night. This is the thing, you know, and he is, and we always talk about him and because we don't cover the Premiership on a weekly basis we don't necessarily see all the great feats that he does the drop goal was brilliant Yeah, it was a clutch moment from a quality player Um, and you want to see him playing against Scotland and Italy um, later on so well, regardless, he'll be there against Ireland on Paddy's weekend for the finale. That, that much is true. Yeah, Marcus Dad's day. Yeah, Mark Smith, George <laughs> uh, Ford are short on game time. Um, they're coming back from injury, so I suspect uh, Steve Borthwick would very much like Farrell, who you suspect will be a a real core Borthwick mm. player anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly of their out half, 
options. He's the one playing the most rugby. Uh, Fiona, the women's interpros were on over the weekend, very much to the fore. Uh, got lots of coverage as well, I saw. So Leinster beat Connacht 38-10 and then Munster beat Ulster 34-0. Neve Briggs, head coach. You're involved in the coaching ticket here with Munster. What's your role? Yeah, I'm breakdown and contact skills coach. So um Good. yeah, we've been I've been it's been a busy Christmas working with the girls, to be fair. They've been out all over Christmas because they the interpros have been on the summer the last few years. So the the change in it has um has ruined everyone's turkey dinners. But um look, it was I watched the Leinster game back because we were obviously playing ourselves before. And so um I thought the standard is getting better and better. Um it really a lot of young kids on talent, uh, with a lot of talent on show. So look, I I thought it was really good um advertisement for women's rugby. Obviously, there's a few areas ourselves we're looking we'd be looking at to cleaning up in our in our game, and I'm sure Leinster will be the same, but that should be the the big game next weekend. It's uh Munster Leinster down in Cork, and then Connacht are playing uh Connacht are playing Ulster away and as for the bigger picture covid interrupted things and as you mentioned these interpros then were on in the summertime and there were complaints mm. that well we need the highest quality games we can get in advance of the six nations and it will help with six nations selection so uh, for you is this a more positive uh, placement in the calendar and this feeds nicely into six nations and this is uh, the beginnings hopefully of a better framework for the women's game yeah, I think this is what's come out from Greg McWilliams and, um, you know, his staff and obviously um, looking at the season structure, the RFU did in detail. And I think it's probably the best way, realistically, if you look at it, they're going from an AIL season finishing earlier now in the end of, um, or sorry, mid-December, going straight into an Interpros. Now we have this new Celtic Cup that will happen the week after the Interpros finish, kicking on to the Six Nations and possibly that um, World 15 tournament then that might go on during the summer if Ireland, depending on what group Ireland qualifies. So look, it, it kind of rolls around uh, nicely and I I think it's probably the, the perfect way to do these things. And in the meantime, the AIL have a cup then for, for non-Irish or, or non-Celtic Cup yes. selected players that will go on in the background as well. So, so things for, are, are definitely coming together nicely. Okay, good. So for the marquee names, this is a, a nice uh, and, and, and welcome big jump in standard from the, their AIL matches as they... As yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. You know, I, I I've said it before. Um probably top four in the AIL is 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 all that's there at the minute where you're getting competitive games. There's too much of a gap between um, the rest and top four, whereas this, it's weekend, uh, every weekend. I know it's only three games. It, it was condensed from five games. They were going to have a final, um, semi-final, final, and it's cut to three games. But every every game will be very, very competitive. So it is really, really good. Um, and then I suppose you're looking at the Celtic Cup and then I suppose we'll see the age-old question, Joe, when it comes to to Six Nations times will the Sevens players be involved because they're not in these Interpro games at all Oh are they not? No Okay Is that them being wrapped up in cotton wool almost? Um, yeah, I think they're preparing for their own tournaments that are coming up. Um, I know there are a crossover. I would I would imagine it will go the way of seeing the competitiveness of the girls when it comes to this Celtic Cup and and probably looking at maybe one or two um, uh, players coming in then depending on what they're contracted 15s or 7s we I, I i think this year we'll see exactly what's going to be done with these 7s 15s crossover okay i um, hope i think <laughs> there's a big disparity in quality i think between the top two provinces and the bottom two provinces and i see that, that was score you lines, can see that in yeah. score lines and and basically you've got a final i think they scheduled munster leinster fiona may or may not be able to confirm this basically the munster leinster has to be next next weekend because the Celtic 
Cup players will be withdrawn from the squads for the last game. So there's an issue, I think, within Irish women's rugby with the season schedule, whereby players are not available enough for the, either their clubs during the, the, um, mm-hmm. during the AIL or the, even the provinces. Like Vodafone are sponsoring this. It's on TG Cahar. And yeah, it's only three weeks. So like there was actually, you know, good crowds. You could see there was a bit of a, 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 a I watched the game in Donnybrook. There was a lot of Leinster fans with their, their flags there. People willing to get on board with it. Three weeks and it's gone. They've only got one home game. So how do you build that as a proposition? If, if you're going down the provincial road, then you've got to give more <coughs> oxygen for this to breathe. Then, the, you know, so there's mm. three games. Two of them, you've got your full full squad for. And only Leinster only had two of the contracted players at, in, at all in their in their squad. The rest of them were all in cotton wool. I'm not sure how many Munster had. Um, Ulster and Connacht would have less anyway. And then you go into this Celtic Cup competition, which I think ultimately they want the four provinces to be part of. But at the moment, there's just one team, which is basically going to be Ireland without their English players. Um, and they don't really have a name. I don't know if they've come up with a name for them, but like, how are we all supposed to get behind that or cover it? Who's going to go and support them? You know, all this sort of things haven't really been worked out. It's all been done on the fly, but it is year one. Yeah. So you have to yeah. give it time to breathe. So I think finding ways of getting players to play on a regular basis, good players playing high quality rugby should be the, the, the main aim. And Sevens players seem to be wrapped in an awful lot of cotton wool. Um, I don't know if it's too much cotton wool. I mean, there seems to be, I don't know how much rugby these, these players are playing and how much rugby they could be playing, but I think Connor could have done with having Bevy and Barsons on the wing on Saturday. Um, it might have, you know, they were quite close for 40, 40 to 50 minutes. Leinster pulled away. Now, there were players, Molly Scuffle McCabe in particular, really shone in that last 20 yeah. minutes. She looked like a player who could go on to bigger things. You know, this is a, it's an advertisement for them, but there's just not enough of them. And, it's, you know, when you get the spotlight shone on you, you should be trying to put out your best best foot foot forward, and there still seems to be everyone working with one hand behind their back a little bit too much, you know. And look, it's early. It's there's a lot of new stuff being put in place at the moment. A lot of moving parts that we're moving towards something different. And um, Fiona's right to be like, you know, the fact that there is a you know a, an obvious thing where you go league in the pro Celtic Cup Six Nations makes sense but if the players aren't available for half the games then what's like who's learning what from them you know I don't know if that's confirmed either Rory I think there was talk about that but I don't know if it's confirmed that the players will actually okay. be pulled Um, I th- I know there was talk in it but I haven't heard that it's it's definitely confirmed because they do want them playing these competitive games and it is a good lead and obviously you need time to train together but but I think um, I, I'm not 100% sure on that but I think you will see the squad, the squad's fully loaded for three weekends. Okay, well, Saturday's going to be great though. Like, Munster Leinster is a proper like you know that that is effectively a final, so that's that's going to be really worth watching. And would you agree that Munster's breakdown work needs to improve? I don't know if there's another. <laughs> You know, if they can do something. <laughs> well, I, I saw the pen, I saw the penalties given away. I nearly had a heart attack today. Um, yeah, look, it can always you can always improve. Look, I'm joking. Were... I'm joking. I'm joking. Thirty four minutes. <laughs> fine. What about what about the breakdown? Joe, their skills. Break, skills and breakdown. I thought. I mean, they might just. We'll get knee Briggs on and see. I don't know. <laughs> Coaching ticket needs to be looked at. Maybe. Um, Definitely. Somebody own Milan as a final thought on YouTube. He says, as most of the national press is based in Dublin and have a very Le- Dublin Leinster perspective in their coverage, it's not surprising there's a hostile relationship with the media. I don't think that's what it is. Genuinely, own. Uh, I've had one or two experiences myself, which were just uh, needlessly hostile. Um, I, 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 down there, the attitude might be, oh, it's the Dublin Leinster media. But I mean, think of Munster down the years when they're winning European Cups, like they're beloved, they're celebrated everywhere. You know, I don't think there was a, a folded arms kind of aspect to the coverage of their glory days. Um, but look, it's always the perspective. That perspective will always be there. And I think, look, it feeds it, it sometimes feeds the, mm. the, these teams as they go. But it, 
I don't think it's true. I think people like generally we we all want Munster to do well because it's good for business. You know, it's it's they Munster are so huge and so well supported that when they're going well, they generate such interest and they, they they're so interesting to talk about on a weekly basis. But there's the, there's a sense I think out there that everyone's out to get them, but they're really not. Plus, the Dublin media has lots of non-Dublin people working in the Dublin media. Like Keen Tracy is not anti-Munster, I would presume. No, from Limerick. Yeah, uh, Neil Tracy, RTE, you know, Michael Corcoran, all, the, you know, all these guys. It's, yeah, so our it's Munster not, friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not Dublin out to get Munster. I just don't think that's true. Anyway, we'll come back to it at some stage. Mm. Our rugby coverage off the ball is with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Fiona, best of luck at the weekend. Thanks so much. Thank you. Off Cheers. to Limerick training now. See you guys. Very good. Cheers. Roy O'Connor of the Ocean Independent. Cheers, Roy. Nice show. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us